Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm John Pigeon. I'm glad. Uh- <laughs> Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm John Pigeon and I'm joined by... Glenn James. Wow. This is a turn up for the books, Glenn. Yeah, well, I, I wanted John to do the intro today because I'm recovering from a chest infection. You are. And just got to go gentle. So yeah, we're keeping our distance here. But I'm happy that it happened um, last week before this Thursday night in Brisbane, the live event. Yes. So yeah, we don't want to be man down for that. Oh, no. So I'm pumped, everyone, to... To be in Briz Vegas. Mm. So, John, what time does your flight arrive on Thursday in Brisbane? I did check that yesterday. I think it's around 12.30. No, sorry, 9.30. In the morning? Yes. What are you going to do all day? I'm uh, just booking meetings. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, just sightseeing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going up on Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> what are you doing from Tuesday to Thursday? I'm just acclimatising to the city. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm fickle and I, yeah. I do my best work when I'm settled and in a routine. Yeah. Uh, I can't fly in the same day and do a, a show that night. No. Nah, so, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try and do a couple of podcast recordings on the Wednesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, and do the show on Thursday night. So thank you, everyone, who has purchased their tickets. Mm, close to 100, is it? It's getting up there, yeah. yeah. So there's a few tickets left. Um, we we kind of had to keep them under 100 in most venues. Yeah. Uh, so they are intimate. We actually had to open more, show, more seats in Perth because Perth sold out. Wow. Uh, so there are some leftovers in Perth as well. So we are looking forward to coming... Um, to see you, everyone. Absolutely. John. Yes. If someone gave you $10,000 right now, what would you do with it? Ooh, absolutely right now? Yep. Oh, we're, we're building a house, so I'd have to put it towards that. Yeah, Pretty okay. boring response. Fair enough. What would you do with it? Put it towards my boat repair bill. Oh, yeah? What's happened to it? Well, we... Um, I don't want to hold up the show. <laughs> I, I took Phil... Thompson and James Millard out oh, yeah. uh, off Swansea Heads Didn't get in the involved. ocean. We went out to see one of the coal ships and we broke down out there. Oh, no. And um, so the boat's at the boat shop and there you go, everyone. Don't get a boat. No. I'll do one more. And everyone, I'm just reading these questions off the meaningful money cards mm. that you can buy on the website that Azari Bell and myself put together. She's the host of Gen Z Money. What legacy do you hope to leave behind when you die? Oh, it's, a, it's a tough one. And I've, I've thought about that a little bit lately. Not that I think I'm getting towards that <laughs> stage. I, yeah, it'd, it'd be a legacy of, of leaving everything on the table and, and not having any regrets. Mm, so if people can, um, my kids can, can follow that philosophy. So if your kids went to your hedge stone, mm. 
They'd be like, oh, Dad, he, he left it all out there. Yeah, we, we had, uh, he didn't hold back. He didn't hold back. Yeah. He had a banger of a time. That's it. What would yours be? Oh, I don't know. You're not old enough to think <laughs> about that. not old enough to think yeah. about that. All right, let's have a chat. I'm excited about today's episode, John, so let's get into it. Do it. I first want to start uh, because I've been now trolling the Facebook group for different things that we can talk about in episodes, John, because we are now doing these Tuesday episodes kind of on the fly. Like sometimes we would do two or three in a row and then not do it. Mm. Uh, But we've kind of got the team humming along so we can, you know, it's Sunday now and this episode's going up on Tuesday. So I think it's good that we can be a bit more current uh, for the current listeners. So Nick Green put in the Facebook group, hi Nick. I just wanted to say thanks for doing this podcast. I've been listening since last year, but I'm currently right up to date. Wow. Apologies uh, for that, Season Nick. one. Thanks to your podcast, I finally got the courage to start investing and am also saving for my first home with my partner. It's awesome. Interesting, that word courage, isn't it? Mm. Like for, To some people, that's it's so scary to go and invest, while others, it's like, it's just a given that I'm going to do it. Yeah, I would absolutely agree because a lot of things are unknown to people and part of doing this podcast is to actually have a chat and say no well it's not that hard to buy your first home yeah it's not that hard to start investing it's not that hard to want to change career Mm. because we will encourage you along the way yeah confidence and even that word encourage courage is part of that word Mm. so we want to encourage everybody who listens to this podcast Mm. to be the best version of them that's right because we don't have all the answers. No, but uh, a lot of fear is overcome by confidence, isn't it? And and having that education. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. good on so, you, Nick. Thanks, Nick, for listening. And and thanks to everyone else who is a, a current listener who may have been listening for a long time. Uh, if you're a drop-in, drop-out listener, thanks for dropping in for this one. So <laughs> you say drop-kick. Yeah, or if you're a drop-kick, welcome. <laughs> uh, and if you if this is your first episode, uh, thanks for checking us out. And we know that you all have a choice of who to listen to, so we thank you for lending us your ears. John, there's a fund manager in the States uh, called Fidelity, and I think they've got a few funds in Australia. Yeah. They've just introduced the Fidelity Youth Account. Mm. This account is where teens 13 to 17 can learn to spend, save, and invest. Your teen will get a free debit card with no account fees or minimums. So basically, it's the first type of account uh, for teenagers to start investing. Mm. Now, the brokerage account owned by teens, 13 to 17, they can trade most US stocks, ETFs, and Fidelity mutual funds in their own accounts. No subscription fees, no account fees, no minimum balances, no domestic ATM fees. Dedicated uh, youth learning centre with materials developed specifically to help teens develop good financial habits. Uh, And I think the parents just have to have an existing Fidelity account. So what are your initial thoughts on this? Because this stuff, it will start to creep down here to the island. Mm. Is it, it has to be set up by an adult though on behalf of them and then... uh, Well, and, and this is it. This is in the States, so we can't talk specifically, no. uh, but I would imagine that it is some type of custodian account. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to talk about the concept about investing for kids uh, because Jess Pascoe in the Facebook group, she wrote, uh, question on investing for kids. I want to invest on behalf of my two kids, 
but I want it to be fair. So I'm looking for some where that will let me have two accounts where I can purchase the same shares. One child has more to invest to start off with. The only way I can think um, is for her to do it in two different accounts. I know Superhero is bringing out sub accounts later this year, but I was wondering if anyone knew of anything like this available now or if anyone has any other suggestions for what they've done in a similar position. Thanks so much. So Mm. it is a common question in our Facebook group and questions that we get about investing for kids. Yeah. The cynic in me doesn't like the fact that Fidelity are getting into the pockets of kids Mm. because, you know, it's almost like a CBA dollar mites play. Yes. Uh, We'll give everyone free accounts and then we've got them for life. Yeah. Um, but it is, I don't know. I, I don't like the fact that they say that kids can start investing and trading most US stocks because we know with the diamond hand stuff online, we know with, uh, the Reddit and all the meme culture, it can be fraught with danger that kids can actually go and almost start gambling. Yeah. If they don't know what they're doing, it is, uh, is gambling, isn't it, really? Yeah, so I I would have liked maybe for kids' accounts that there's no individual stocks mm. and they say, look, we've got these six um, different accounts yeah. that the kids can invest in and we will teach them about these ETFs or managed funds. Yeah, so it's sort of like your, your Vanguard one because you set that up for, for my three, didn't you, three years ago or so? Um, yeah. And that's, I, I suppose, the only, not the downside, but... It's pretty much managed by us. We contribute to it monthly. They don't really have any involvement in it, which I think is good because my kids are too young anyway. But mm. as they get older, we can we can educate them on the on it without them actually saying, "Yeah, this is what I want to do, Dad," because I really don't know what I'm doing yet. Yeah, or what you might start to do as you get more age appropriate. Yeah. So I've just last time I was in uh, Queensland at the start of the year on the Gold Coast, I actually told Grace and the kids that. I, I'm not buying you birthday presents. Yeah. Like we'll go out for dinner or whatever, but I'm putting money aside in a different bank account for you guys. Yeah. And as you get older, I'll start to explain a little bit more about it. So I really yeah. kept it very conceptual. Yeah. Like they know that they've got a bank account that their mum has. Yeah. So as they get older, I'll start to educate them. Yeah. And I think it's important. And the age is interesting, like 13 to 17. Um, so I presume age 13, 14 is when they really start getting that part-time income after school. So it's a dangerous concept to then say, oh, I'm going to put this into one stock, for example. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just my hesitation. Like, mm. you know, it allows kids to trade most US stocks yeah. um, where, well, no, we just want to teach these kids good long-term savings habits. So I was like, yeah. here's your birthday, here's $50. All right, let's put 30 into an investment yeah. for when, you know, 12 years time. Yeah. And then let's spend the other 20 or give $10 away and then That's spend right. 10. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. She she mentioned there about the one child has more. Yeah. And I've got a view on this. What is it? Well, like Max is our eldest. He's mm. just turning 12, right? He came into this world two years earlier. Mm. So he's two years ahead of Molly, financially, um, age-wise, everything. So he he has more in his account than Molly and Charlie. 
So that's always going to be the way because he's two years ahead. That's just the way the the penny drops. So mm. I've got no problem with that being uneven and they know already that uh, he has more. Um, but that's just a, a byproduct well, of being here longer. Yeah, that's right. And Jess does mention that, but I don't think she's mentioning it that, oh, what do I do? I think she's no. just saying I need two different accounts to quarantine it. Yeah, but we, I, I get a lot of pushback from people saying, oh, I've got three kids, um, uh, this one's got more, that's not fair sort of thing. I was like, no, I think it is fair. Yeah, um, and it's funny. So this Thursday, everyone, in two days' time from hearing this, if you're listening to it live or the next episode, I think it will be like 420B, it will be called that. We've got an episode with Grant Hackett, the athlete Olympian. Mm. Did I tell you I did no. that episode? Oh, there you go. Yeah. You're away. Yeah. When I was in Melbourne, I sat down with Grant Hackett um, and he's actually the CEO of Generation Life, That's right. which is the investment bond company mm. that you've got for your kids and I've got for my niece and nephews. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be, and it's it's actually, he's a really switched on dialed in guy. He is. It's probably more of a an intermediate advanced type um, episode, yeah. but certainly we do cover investment bonds yeah. and there there's kind of a couple of ways to do this with investing for kids. I have in the past set up accounts for clients where you set the account up for the child, but it's kind of in their name, but you are the account holder, like it's a custodian. I'm setting this up on behalf of little Johnny or little Joanne, okay? And there are some, and speak to your accountant, but because it's a, a custodian type arrangement, you can transfer that account to the child one through 18 yeah. without capital gains tax. Mm. The kicker is along the way, that income is being taxed on your tax return, mm -hmm. which not going to be a huge deal if you've only got a, a few grand in there. Uh, but if you've got significant amounts of money, that can actually uh, impact uh, your tax return. So it's sitting on your tax return. Now, I like the use of an investment bond for the kids because it's still in your name, but it's allocated to each child. Yeah. And you can set one bond up and have three beneficiaries, but it's the same price just to have three different bonds. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, because you're right. It d all depends on the money you're putting in there. But if you've got a hundred grand in there for a kid, you're paying um, tax on that. Um, That's right. And the, the returns and the, and the bonds they're not they're taxed internally at the company tax rate. Mm. And with the internal franking credits, I think some of the investment options and Grant will mention it uh, on the podcast might only like be twenty one, twenty two percent tax. Yeah. The wash up of that, the effective tax. So. I'm a big fan of those bonds and then it's your money. So uh, if you change your mind and one of the kids is a rat bag and you don't want to give them money anymore, <laughs> yeah. you just take their name off it and yeah. it's still your money. Yeah. And if you die, they will receive that money. So it's good for estate planning because mm. they're the beneficiary on that account. Yeah, I might listen to that episode. Yeah, please do. It'd be mm. nice to have you listen to an episode. The only <laughs> other thing with this investing for kids thing and you may have heard it, people say, I've got three kids so I want to buy three investment properties. Mm. So they've all got a property. Mm. Now, like everything, I've got a view of this. What's your view on this? Because my sister mentioned this to me the other day. All right. Yeah, look, my view is no. Mm. It doesn't need to work that way. It's um, I see their, their thinking is let's get some solid bricks and mortar, one per kid, uh, but 
normally when people have spoken to me about this, it's, okay, we live in this suburb, we're going to buy um, one property per, per child in this particular suburb as well, as opposed to just um, having a strategic look at their overall wealth and then splitting that three ways or two ways, depending on how many kids you got. Oh, I would definitely prefer that option as opposed to, oh, this property is yours. And then the performance of that is 10 times better than the other one. And then you've got all sorts of issues. It's, yeah, it doesn't uh, sit well with me, that strategy, but it's great that they're looking to do something for their kids. Yeah. And that's why I kind of fall on that side of the fence as well. It's um, like, sure, if you want to set up some little investment accounts and, you know, once a year, you know, the grandparents or the aunts or uncles like, all right, let's all just put $200 each in and that's the present. And, you know, that can be for a house deposit or something like that. But this generational type wealth, no, you just need to focus on you building wealth. Yeah. And then if the time comes when the kids are 30 and you do want to give some money, well, at the time you can make the call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's a little bit like divorce. No one plans for it. But if, if you've created enough wealth that you can split it down the middle and both of you still be mm. um, financially secure, then great outcome. But the initial brief was to just create some solid financial wealth with diversification. Yeah. So there's uh, a great episode uh, this Thursday and I think on Friday because I wanted to cover it in the main episode, but we ran out of time on Friday on My Millennial Money Express, the other podcast that I just do, and it's usually under 10, 15 minutes an episode, I do a chat uh, with Grant Hackett, not as the CEO of Gen Life, as Grant Hackett, the Olympian. Yeah, like- and we talk about mindset and all that amazing stuff. So Awesome. And setting goals and all that. So mm. uh, that will be on Friday, I believe, this week on My Millennial Money Express. Might check that out too. Yeah, you'll be our biggest fan, John. Oh, well. Do you want to read the next uh, comment that I poached from the Facebook group? Yeah, so do it, I think it is. Uh, Hey, so I have an investment property already, however, still living at my parents' place at the moment. I'm 24, I wanted to move out sometime soon and live with my partner and rent somewhere closer to the city. Do you think I'll regret renting or should I stay at my parents' house and keep saving my money for another investment? I keep hearing why would I want to waste my money on rent but can't make up my mind if it is really that much of a waste of money or not. (laughs) You love this one, don't you? (laughs) You love it. If John had his way, he'd be like, oh, everyone, stay at home till you're 50 years old and don't pay rent and buy all the property in the world, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, it comes at a time when we're currently living with Amy's mother at the moment. So, uh... <laughs> Oh, I've got a bone to pick with John and maybe it's a, an example of <sighs> actually our... Um, maybe it's an example of our um, relationships outside the podcast, but... <laughs> I like to do the drop in to people's houses sometimes. So my friend Chris in um, Belmont, I like because we've got this thing like we do the drop in because no one does the drop in anymore, nah, do they? No. Nah. They're like text. Oh, yeah, you're home. Yeah. Where we've got this thing, it's like we just do the random drop in. Yeah, I like it. Like bring it back. Bring I love it. it. So yeah. I did the random drop in to John's house yesterday <laughs> and I, I rock up and I'm like, oh, he must have a new car <laughs> or, you know, Amy's got a new car and, or whatever. I don't know. And did you knock on the door? Yeah, so I, I walk up to the door. I heard this kid crying, like a toddler. I'm like, I swear John doesn't have a toddler. And then I could hear the do- the toddler crying and it's getting closer to the door. And I'm thinking, 
this kid's going to really cry when I see his me standing at the door and then the <laughs> sees me and it goes off and then this lady comes. I'm like, hi, is John here? And she's like, no, he doesn't live here. He's Airbnb this out. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, um, oh, that's how that came about. So, and then I called John. I'm like, where are you living at the moment? <laughs> yeah, no. Anyway, back to do it. Mm. Uh, yeah, look, stay at home, son or, or daughter. Really? <laughs> Look, he's 24, was she? Because I've seen so many case studies about this. Now, if 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 we're getting our hair torn out by living at home and it's stressing us out that much, then, yeah, okay, go and rent. But the difference that you can save in that period, like I've had um, clients save 50, 60 grand a year staying at home. And, mm. and I'm saying, right, short-term pain, do it for two years, there's your house deposit. Then you can go and get on with your life. The and bastard's rent. already got an investment property. Okay, great. But he's he's come to us saying, I, which one an, do I that's do? That's an endearing term, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, what do I do now? If he's if he's questioning it, mm. stay at home. If you're still okay with it, like rent five hundred dollars a week. You can't rent for an anything under five hundred dollars a week anymore. Okay, are you done? Not yet. Okay, keep going. <laughs> Now, when you stay at home, and one of my good mates um, had a go at me about this the other day, saying, oh, you're putting all this pressure on parents um, to keep their kids at home. I say, no, I'm not. You're still paying your way at home. You're still working around the house. You, it's, a, it's a solid arrangement that's just not all one way for, for the kid to save 50 grand. But if you can get that right and it works financially, you'll thank yourself in 10, 15 years' time. You done? I'm done now. Okay, so a couple of things on this. You're seeing the world, John, as a black and white world. Always is. No, it's bloody grey. The world is grey. Um, it's not going to be $500 a week rent because he's going to be with a partner. So we're going to split rent. So it's yep. only 250 a week. Okay, right. but, but if it's partner, it's still financial... Uh, impact for, for them as a couple, potential sure. family. But you'd also get the scale of living together yeah. with food and all that. Yeah. And I think it makes you a better human being in the workforce and out in the life vibe that we live mm -hmm. if you do have that independence. So my view is you've got your investment property. I think because you're wondering, should I move out or not? It probably is time. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, okay. And uh, it's good that we disagree because- Yeah, totally. It because- makes it, Yeah, I know. We this need is, to see two sides of the, the coin. Yeah. Um, um, but, and I, I just don't think it's, you know, wasted money on rent. Yeah. Look, if, if they're still sitting at home, age 35, no investments, just slobbing around, um, using mum and dad, all mm. getting, getting meals cooked, just- feed up sort of thing. Absolutely. Mm. I, di I totally disagree with that. Yeah, okay. But if we're sitting home, we're giving to the community, we're giving to mum and dad, we're helping around the house, we're paying them some board or, or contributing to the uh, groceries and bills and whatever, um, it can be a win-win and a massive win-win. I've just seen some extreme examples. But you're only saying win-win um, on the money side. Correct, but but some parents like to have their kids home longer. That's right. Mm. I was watching a show the other night, and this, um, I think it was the Blacklist. Yeah, I'm watching the Blacklist yeah. from like years ago, and it was the episode. And this woman had this child, 
and he was like a grown man and she never yeah. let him leave home and <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think there are more things to life and enjoying life yeah. and, um, you know, being able to leave when you're 24 mm. without your mum or dad saying, where are you going? Yeah. Or I, yeah, totally. To be able to come home like, oh, where'd yeah. you go? Where'd you do? <laughs> That's like, right. So I, I don't know. And it, it, we don't know anything. We're just two guys. Yeah. Um, but but it is a money podcast, so we've got to talk about the financial aspect of it. We do, but it's not a podcast that we say we put money Ahead. before yeah. everything. That's right. Yeah. So um, so in conclusion, do it. I would say if you if you're enjoying staying at home with mum and dad, and your partner's cool with it for another twelve months, we can save another fifty grand as opposed to going and renting and only saving ten grand. If we can do it for another twelve months. I would do it. And maybe ask your partner, are you happy with me banging you next to my parents' bedroom? Oh, no. I don't know, John. I don't know. (laughs) Nathan in editing, please. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not just this. I think it's a guy. I don't think it's just his decision. It's not. And that's why I said chat to the partner. But I've also got a philosophy in life, John. Whatever works. Correct. Yeah. No. Because I just video of it, and I actually, I wrote this because I'm almost finished my book. Yes, part of the book I wrote about a story of a client that I had. Oh yeah, who actually I never ended up taking him on as a client, um, but he was like thirty, two investment properties or three mm. car loan. Um, you know, looked financially successful. Yeah, but still living at home. Rich dad. What? Rich dad, poor dad. <laughs> well, no, but it's just, it was yeah. all this like, well, what are you doing, mate? Like, yeah. at some point you have to leave home. Yeah. At some point you become a better human. Yeah. Getting away from the teat. Totally, yeah. And, and if, if you're, you're- not the 12-year-old on Game of Thrones still yeah. breastfeeding. No, and, and there's a part of me that totally agrees with that. You've got to create independence. You've got to create, um, I, I suppose, ah, what's the word I want to use? Um, resilience. Yeah, and you only get that out in the wide world. I get that. So, yeah, Mm. in case. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about this question about a portfolio of ETFs. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Do you want to read that question, John? Sarah. Says, when building a portfolio of ETFs, do you find, uh, do you think it is important to consider investment providers too? E.g., I have a couple of beta shares, ETFs. I like their philosophy and their products. I am looking to purchase a third ETF. And while looking to diversify assets, is it important to diversify investment companies too? Maybe I should look at Vanguard or another, question mark. I like to keep my investing tidy and like the idea of staying with one provider of ETFs. But my thoughts are, what if beta shares go bust or just make some bad decisions? Thanks, Sarah. Hey, you're all over this one, Glenn. Uh, so, yeah, a couple of things there. If beta shares goes bust or if Vanguard goes bust or if BlackRock goes bust, um, the operating company will go bust, quote unquote, but the investments um, are generally a 
held on trust or uh, if they're chess sponsored, you will have direct ownership of those investments. Yeah. So who would take that over in that instance? Yeah. So I think what would happen when a broker or a platform goes bust, uh, because the operating company is different to the underlying investments, I would imagine an administrator would come in Mm. and then wind up the company and ultimately, and this is what I actually don't know, um, either have provisions for you to transfer holdings over to another broker, if it's the broker that's going bust, right. or they might liquidate and sell down the investments and give everyone their money back. Okay. So it's pretty safe. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. your capital's at risk because it's invested, but yeah. you don't have any, I guess, quote unquote, real corporate risk if Vanguard go bust or if yeah. beta shares goes bust yeah. that you are losing your money. Yeah. Now, it could be a, a pain in the ass where I can't trade, I can't sell, I can't do whatever, mm. but I, I'll, I'll ask Vince next time um, we yeah. do a deep dive. But yeah. I, I think the risk is- um, Just the performance. Just the underlying asset. Mm. So, yeah. But also, like, um, there's another question here that Sarah had, you know, when building a portfolio of ETFs, it comes, you've, and again, I'm, this is just a topic because I actually addressed this in the book as yeah. well. This is a big ad for the book, right? Yeah. There's actually these ETF providers, right? And I want to just use an example um, now. So if you used a Vanguard diversified option, okay, mm-hmm. within the ETF, they've got exposure to Australian equities, international equities. Yep. Um, there might be some property in there, there might be some bonds, whatever the portfolio is, right? Mm. And while the majority of beta shares and the Vanguard big funds that everyone talks about, they're index funds, right? Mm. So they're just tracking an index. Mm. Now, there's not much passive about the way that the index fund managers invest because the underlying index for some of these thematic funds, they've been actively chosen. Mm. The blended portfolios so your Vanguard Diversified Growth Fund, your Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund, your Beta Shares Diversified Growth Fund, they've actively chosen the asset allocation. Mm, so based we want, on performance. Well, I'll go a bit further. Based on the total overall portfolio objective. Yeah. So they've actively said, we want 30% in Australian equities. Yeah. We want 40% in international equities and 10% of the international equities are hedged, mm. you know, and the balance is unhedged. So basically that's called a strategic asset allocation. Mm. And I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago on the My Millennial Money Express podcast about modern portfolio theory uh, because it was top of mind because I was writing it in the book as well. Yeah. So modern portfolio theory is based on this dude uh, in the 50s and he went, well, no, if you hold CBA shares and you hold BHP and you hold Rio or whatever, you can't actually silo the returns. They all form the one return. Yeah, averaged. Basically. So it's a weighted portfolio. So the modern portfolio theory is not these siloed assets. Mm. So these diversified investments they've got a whole heap of smart people that say, look, over a seven or eight year period or 10, whatever the portfolio objectives are, Mm. we believe we can achieve that objective by having 20% in in that asset class by 10% in that asset class that causes the whole portfolio. So that's the diversified portfolios. Now I'm ranting here, but go with me. The Vanguard Diversified Growth Fund, it's an index fund 
and that's got the strategic asset allocation. Mm. Um, now that they created that fund in 2001, I believe. It's almost 20 years, uh, 2002. So it's coming up to 20 years old. Yep. So we've got a really long track record to look at this fund manager yeah. and does it actually perform over the long term, over their modelling of strategic asset allocation. Yeah, which and is important to look that's right. for anything. So since inception, so if you invested in the Vanguard Diversified Growth Fund, in 2002, you would have an annual return of 8.19%. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. And, and low risk. Well, it's a uh, 70% growth. Mm. So it is, there is some smoothing in the portfolio. Mm. Uh, over the last 10 years, 9.22. So I guess what I'm getting at is when people say I'm building my portfolio of ETFs, well, are you building a portfolio of, I want that uh, climate ETF, I want that ETF over here that is the robotics ETF, I want this ETF over here yeah. that is uh, the marijuana stock index in the US or whatever that is. Are you building a portfolio of thematic investing of your own portfolio or do you want to just keep it clean and use the strategic asset allocation of a company that has a lot of smart people that have done this for freaking yeah, 20 years. Doing that for you. And just go, well, I'm going to invest in this fund here. Mm. So I know which one I'll be choosing. Yeah, and that's it. Like, So I don't believe for myself as an investor, I'm not a fund manager. Mm. I know nothing about strategic asset allocation. Mm. I know nothing about um, economics and, you know, if – the US dollar's low and the Aussie dollar's high, what does that do to the international equity portfolio? So that's why I outsource the strategic asset allocation to a fund manager. Yeah, and it just goes to show that it's it's a long-term game as well. Like mm. that 20-year average of 8%, mm. the 10-year average of 9%. If you took it as a, a two-year average, it, it might be 2 or 3%. Because it's had some down years. Yeah, there's some volatility there. Mm. So, um, and this is a really good question, Sarah. I think it is important to consider investment providers. So, Vanguard been around for a million years. Beta shares, um, not that old, but they're Aussie. So, mm. you, you might want to consider that as well. Support the Aussie. Um, not advice, um, but you know, BlackRock, they've been around for a million years as well. So I, I, I think it does matter. I didn't love when I was uh, a financial advisor, uh, making investment recommendations with investment companies that had been around 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, in the book, I did some real live case studies of an ethical investing fund that was actively managed. Mm and an ethical investment fund that was an index fund. And I just compared the two. One, it was a fund manager that had been around forever. One was a new fund manager. Mm. And you could see the differences in the portfolio. But how can we really know what this portfolio does yeah. when it's been around for three years where we know a growth asset, we need to be measuring that on yeah. seven years? Yeah, it's a speculative play, isn't it? Well, to a point, and this is with uh, investing, right? You know, you... I saw something the other day, I'll tell you later offline, John, but I saw a comment and I'll rephrase it. A lot of investment company marketing departments and these new startups and all this stuff, 
they may say, look at our fund. We did this much over 12 months. I don't give a crap. No. Because I'm buying my growth asset for at least five to seven years. Yeah. What did your portfolio do over five to seven years? Yeah. Because if you're a growth fund and your portfolio did 2% over seven years, you've got a freaking problem. Mm. Yeah. So off topic a little bit, mm. would you would you take your 20 or 30 grand and put it into an ETF for three years to pull it out and to go and buy your, your first home? I'd probably use the first home super save scheme, John. <laughs> no, but we, you could do a, a combination of both. Like would you uh, – is it safe – enough of an asset to do that for a three-year period. Okay, and this, and again, I covered this in my book. You're, re, you're leading the witness, John. Yeah, that's um, right. And you need to give me that. I gave John the chapter. That's why I did the drop-in at his house yesterday because I sure. printed the property and mortgage chapter, mm. uh, double-sided, 32 pages. <laughs> like, and he's expecting me to... And I asked him today, I'm like, have you, have you proofed it? And he said No. It goes back to asset allocation and um, modern portfolio theory. Mm. And I would probably just say I covered this exact question on the My Millennial Money Express podcast. Yeah. It's the latest episode that's in there at the moment. Um, and I talk about uh, should I put my savings into the Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund yeah. where this modern portfolio theory could be, well, what if I invested half of my savings into a 100% growth fund? Yeah kept my the other half of my savings in cash, I've technically created my own balanced fund of 50% growth, 50% cash. Yep. So maybe mm. I would still say a growth fund of 50-50 should have a four-year hold time, yeah. possibly. Yeah. But if your goal could be, oh, well, I'll see what happens in four years and if it's not a good time, I'll just delay the goal a year, yeah. possibly. Yeah, risk reward. Um, but yeah, good question from Sarah. I don't know if we've answered any questions, but I, I think- He's promote his book though. I bloody flogged the heck out of this book, haven't I? Uh, which is due out in October, everyone. And yes, I am reading the audio book of it, John. He's taking signed copies to every capital city after that. Yeah. But yeah, it, and, but this is, and this is why, you know, when I do these deep dive conversations with Vince, we talk about two hours on investing. Yeah. Because even Sarah's question, I want to keep my investing tidy. Yeah. Well, if you want to keep your investing tidy, is there a portfolio that's a diversified fund that has a strategic asset allocation with a long-term track record that you can just pump money into and get on with your life? It's just so many options out there. I know, there, I know, it's wild. Yeah. But then I would say- Enter ethical investing. Yeah. And what are you going to do if you want to start screening funds? And I did talk with Vince, everyone. We are going to do another campfire chat. And one of the topics is ethical investing. Really? And I actually, in the book, we're going to get reviews. He's always doing his promoting his book. But it's only because I've just spent the last four weeks, literally at least six to, you know, 12-hour days every day yeah. doing this, yeah. I was like, oh, I'll just do like a paragraph on ethical investing. <laughs> 5,000 words later. Yeah. Um, Still talking. Yeah, it's so, gain, yeah. gaining momentum too. Um, Emily, 
Yeah, so do you want to read this one as well, John? So Emily Thorne says, Hi all, need some advice. My partner's received an email from our accountant saying that they they made a mistake with our tax return last year and inputting the incorrect number, we now owe four and a half grand. They said they'll take on any fees if the ATO come knocking and also refund our accountant fee. That's nice of them. But we are wondering if there is anything else we can do or any advice. It's a lot of money and we're pretty upset, especially after we said at the time, we were very surprised about the large amount returned. Just feel this is a huge setback financially, especially after my partner is now going to uni this year and only working casually compared to a full-time income in previous years. Thanks. So yeah, got a, got a tax return done, got a tax estimate. They were surprised with the estimate. It was a refund. And then uh, sometime down the track, accountants rang them up and said, no, nah, hang on, I've made a mistake here. Instead of your refund, which you might have already spent, it's uh, it's a four and a half grand tax bill. What are your thoughts? I think number one, if you do have a a large tax return um, that isn't normal, so if you've had a six hundred dollar tax return and then you get a four and a half grand one, yeah, you need to really question that, and they did. Uh, she said there, uh, especially after said at the time, we were very surprised at the large amount yeah. of return. Now, I, I questioned whether they questioned the accountant or they just said to themselves, yeah, we're actually surprised here. Right. So I don't know. If they questioned the accountant at the time, perfect. That's what you should be doing, right? Mm. Well, it happened to me um, last year. They said to me, Glenn, you've got this tax return. Yeah. And it was a lot of money. I said, no, nah, there's a mistake. Like, yeah. I said, no, we've bloody doing this it turns out I forgot that I paid an installment ah, right. so but yeah. I did question it and they sent me the um, ATO screenshot yeah. and it's like yeah. no you're in credit and all this stuff um, yeah so but you do trust your professionals in that corner and and their job is to maximize your, your tax position right so the, their job if you can get yourself a refund and you've consistently been getting refunds then okay my tax account is doing a great job for me mm. but as you said if it's if it was normally five hundred dollars and nothing's changed in the last 12 months and now it's four grand mm. you would send an email or, or ring your account wouldn't you and everyone needs to realize that because your accountant does your tax return if there's an error and you get fined by the ATO there's no liability on the accountant. No. Like, absolutely, they're just submitting it on your behalf. Yeah. It's not because you've used an accountant that if there's an error and you get sued and thrown in jail, mm. it's not on your accountant. Yeah. That's number one. In this situation, if this was me, this is what I would do. Righto. I'd be like, oh, thanks that you're refunding our accounting fee. Mm bloody you should mm. secondly we said to you that we were surprised about this large return you guys said no it's right this is on the proviso mm. that that they did ask that it. they did ask yeah, the yeah. accountant mm. and then they reconfirmed said no it's right yeah. i'd be like well there's a couple things happening right now mm. we'll go halves in it mm. yeah <laughs> like your offer stuffed up mm. like i don't care if the law says that it's on me you're you actually made a mistake yeah. and we questioned it and you said, no, it was okay. So that's number one. I mean, if it happened with me, like if Emily was a business client and they were paying their accountant five, six grand a year or whatever, mm. 
I'd be like, well, you've just lost a client or like what's happening yeah. here, people? Like I, I, I think there's not much that they probably can do yeah. in this situation. Uh, I think they've done the right thing by questioning it. Yeah, and that's that's a bit of the unknown as to what was who was it questioned to? Was it just internally at home or was it to the accountant? But I think, yeah, like your team of people, um, if there is a mistake, people make mistakes. Um, that That's, well, that's part, of life. part of life. So I think what can we do from here? We, we either, we make a decision to say, look, yep, they made a mistake. Um, it's the first one. They've got a clean track record of, of getting things done. They're efficient. Their communication's good. We're just going to get on with it, pay a four and a half and, and, keep our accountant or we make an, an ish, uh, a decision to say, no, nah, we're going to find a new accountant now. We'll still pay our four and a half, obviously, but we're going to get a, a new te- team member into our corner. Yeah. Um, I just think it's the, – the lesson here is if anything comes out of the blue, you need to question it. And then given that they said that, yeah, we questioned it, it's all good – I'd be going back to the account and say, I need proof. Can you show me the workings mm. or something like that? Yeah, and, and it is a trust thing to know that they are a professional and you'd, you'd just back them most mm. of the time, wouldn't you? But mm. yeah. uh, but otherwise, you know, you're just going to have to put that on a payment plan with the ATO, I yeah, would imagine. Yeah, with going back to uni and that sort of stuff, there's not a lot, as much coming in by the sounds of it. I wonder, you know how like once you're at uni, you can get those like, Hex and help loans. Yeah. <laughs> Get a hex loan, pay <laughs> the ATO off. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good thing with the ATO, with, with payment plans, they're pretty generous and yeah. the interest rates... Well, I think they still waive some of it. I think you, if you pay it on time, they yeah. do waive it. So, yeah. yeah, it's just the bugger that it's a refund's turned into a tax bill. Yeah. That's savage, isn't it? Mm. All right, peeps. All right, uh, Still tickets for Briz Vegas yes. this Thursday night. We'll see you there. Um, thanks, everyone, for sending in your uh, questions, and thank you for letting me poach them from the Facebook group. Yep, awesome. And, John, it's been a pleasure as usual. It has. And I'll see you on Thursday night. Enjoy your Sunday. Always. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.